Hello, everyone. This is Jonathan Little. I'm here today with the 37th week of Weekly Poker Hand. And today I'm going to be going over a pretty interesting spot from a 10,000 euro buy-in high roller event that I played recently on the European Poker Tour. The blinds are 100-200, and there is an ante in play of 25. That is how all these tournaments start, so this is very early in the day. Um, if you're not following along in the video version of this, say you're listening to it through iTunes, you can watch a video of this hand replay at jonathanlittlepoker.com under the podcast tab if you want to follow along with the video. But in this hand, we are against a loose aggressive kid who has already lost about half of his stack. He's down to 30,000 chips. And let's go ahead and get to it. I've chipped up a little bit. I'm at 60,000 from the 50,000 chip start. So Loose Aggressive Kid raises to 600, which is three big blinds from first position. We are eight-handed. All these tournaments are played eight-handed. A player in third position, a tight aggressive guy, calls. And then I pick up Ace-Queen in the low jack seat. So with Ace-Queen in this scenario, I don't know if I can reasonably three-bet and get it in versus a Loose Aggressive Kid. He has already lost a decent amount of his chips, so... Whenever that's the case, sometimes these players will be very tilty and just be willing to blast their stack in with a wide range. And other times, they may just continue playing a somewhat snug game. And I really don't... If I don't know how my opponent's probably going to react, I'm going to be much more inclined to call. And if my opponent's tight, or if I think he's going to be tight, I'm definitely going to call. But if I think the loose aggressive kid could be legitimately losing his mind and willing to get it in super wide, I would probably 3-bet this to around 2,300 and just not fold against him. And that may sound a little bit loose. A lot of players think, oh, I would not put in 10,000 euros with ace-queen offsuit. But you have to realize that if your opponent really is going crazy, ace-queen's in fantastic shape. However, I probably don't know that. So I decide to call. And then a tight passive 50-year-old guy who I do not know raises to 2250 from the hijack seat. It folds back around to the loose aggressive kid. He folds, which is not something I expected, but it does happen sometimes. The tight aggressive guy calls, and now I have to call 1650 more into a pot of about 5500. So I'm getting really good pot odds. However, there's one major problem with this hand, and that is that the re-raiser is a tight passive 50-year-old. And if my opponent is tight and passive and I'm I'm confident in that read, I don't think he's re-raising here very often at all. He probably is re-raising with a range of something like aces, kings, queens, jacks, tens, ace, king, and ace, queen. And you're going to find that if you have a hand that is roughly equal to the bottom of your opponent's re-raising range, you're in very, very bad shape. And that is exactly what I'm looking at here. So even though I am getting good odds, the fact that I'm out of position and deep stacked versus a guy who I think has a strong hand and a strong range, this is a spot where I am pretty sure I need to fold. And it may sound a little bit tight, but you're going to find that I'm going to be dominated by the preflop re-raiser quite often. And also the tight aggressive guy who called could also have me in bad shape. So I folded. And that may sound crazy to some people to fold ace-queen before the flop to a very small re-raise, but I'm I'm not loving how my hand's doing against my opponent's range. So the flop does come ace-10-4. And let's just pretend like I was in this hand with ace-queen, because I easily could be. Like, let's say the uh, tight passive guy was a loose aggressive guy. It definitely would be in the sand. But um, so what? I, what would happen is the tight aggressive guy checks the flop. I would have checked on ace ace ten four ace ten four board is what the flop is ace ten four rainbow. The tight passive player bets 
27.50. And then the tight aggressive player calls. So at this point, again, I would fold. It is highly likely that one of these two players has an ace. And you have to realize that of the reasonable aces, I beat ace-jack, but I lose to ace-10. I lose to ace-king. I lose to ace-ace. And um, I'm not too sure a player would bet with ace-9 or worse on this board. So in a three-bet pot, I mean. So I would also fold the flop when it goes bet call. If it was heads up, of course, I would I have to check call the flop, but I'd be fairly unhappy about it. Anyways, I would have found a fold on the flop as well. Turns a king, which would be pretty bad for ace-queen because now ace-queen loses to kings. On the turn, tight aggressive player checks. Tight passive player bets again. He bets pretty large. He bets um, 7,500. And the tight aggressive player folds. And fortunately, the tight passive player decided to be friendly and show an ace and an ace for three aces. And this is a spot where if... I think a lot of amateur players would end up losing way more money than necessary. And I've started really trusting my reads in these spots. And it seems to be working out pretty well. I mean, in the past, I would just almost never fold a hand that I deemed to be pretty strong. But I found that if you get out of the way more often than other players, you're going to be in pretty good shape if your reads are accurate. Of course, if your reads are wrong and this guy shows up with 9-7 offsuit or something, then you probably don't need to be trusting your reads. But I found that mine are usually pretty spot on and I have started to develop the discipline to listen to them and I've been doing really well because of that. I actually have been working really hard on a project. It is called Jonathan Little's Excelling at No Limit Hold'em. And this is a 500-page book where I got around, well, 17 other professional poker players and authors to write for me and write with me. Um, Quite often I was collaborating with the authors on their chapters, and I have learned a ton from making this book. Like, for example, I learned from Phil Helmuth to... Don't be opposed to trust your read, to trusting your reads. I mean, even if they fly in the face of the math, if you can look at a guy and know <laughs> that his range is very tight, and you know you do really poorly against a really tight range, that's all there is to it. I mean, the fact that the guy's three betting, even though he should be three betting a lot, does not matter. What's what's actually going on is he's three betting with almost only the nuts, and if you can't beat the nuts, you have to get out of the way. I also learned from Olivier Bousquet, who wrote for the book, how to play a more game theory optimal approach and how to not get in spots to risk a lot of chips with your marginal made hands. And I've always known this, but I think I've sort of got out of the habit of it recently where I've been going more so for extreme value, but I recognize, and I've been adjusting a little bit more recently to where I've been playing a little bit more of a pot control style to where I'm not playing huge pots without really good hands and it seems to be working. Anyways, if you want more information about this book and all of the authors involved, uh, you can check that out at jonathanlittlepoker.com slash secretproject. This was a project I've been working on for over a year now, and I am extraordinarily happy that it is coming together. And you can currently pre-order the book. You can um, get the links for that at jonathanlittlepoker.com slash secretproject. You can click on the book image there, and it'll take you right to the page. So thank you all very much for watching. And or listening, if you're listening to this on iTunes, and I will talk to you all next week.